Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. Here we are again with the latest episode of the Keegan Odyssey, the unending saga of Kevin Keegan's life, which, uh, well, I mean, this is one of the greatest football books I've ever read and I haven't even fucking finished it yet. I'm just reading it as we go through episode by episode. It's an absolute treat. Yeah, it's fucking madness, isn't it? It, it puts the keen one into, it peels it into insignificance, I think, because there's just something on every single page. I think that with Keegan's one, just simply more happens to him yeah. in reality. Whereas Keen, it's much more of an inner life it's about that the we're man. interested in. It's about the Keen's yeah. about the man. Keegan is about the world. It's the about life. all of us. Just, it's, it's the life. I mean, Keen's is a life led. Most of the rich adventures he had were just inside <laughs> his mind. Yeah. And he's battling himself at all times. Whereas Keegan. I mean, he's a man who's who's lived a fucking full life of real adventures. It, it truly is an odyssey. Mm. Well, um, the, the last episode, Keegan had just been given the England captaincy by Don Revy uh, shortly before Revy fucked off to work for an airline or something in the Middle East. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Keegan talks about a game against Italy for England. He came up against Romeo Benetti, and he says his style of play could be generously described as tenacious. He introduced himself by digging his elbow into the top of my head. (laughs) (laughs) And Kev says, uh, even with my perm offering an extra layer of protection, which might have been why he grew it, I don't know. He says it was a painful way to make acquaintances, and I retaliated with an elbow of my own, catching him flush in the mouth. One of his front teeth popped out, and then I knew I was in serious trouble. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Benetti fucking, was frightened don't fuck with double K he's got this nice guy image but every turn in his book if anyone fucks with him they get it they do yeah exactly S- small man it. syndrome this is what he's about he's a he's a, an entertainer he's a clown a, a, a circus ringmaster um, listen I'm fair with you if you're fair with me yeah but if you try to take advantage of the fact that I'm a nice man <laughs> I'll fucking destroy you I'll I put my elbow you in up. your throat I will fuck you right up I'll hurt you. <laughs> I'll fucking beat you up. I know how to hurt people, you know. I learnt it in Donny. <laughs> I used to practice on the corpses. <laughs> he says, um, he talks about Benetti. He says, I knew I was in serious trouble. Benetti was frightening. He gave me a murderous look. Imagine the Jaws character from the James Bond films. <laughs> and, and he growled in broken English. I get you, Keegan. Before finish. And then <laughs> he, he spat straight in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> Before finish, we have this and that together, you know. Intercontinental this and that. This is kind of like this wouldn't happen anymore, and it's it's not a good thing. This wouldn't happen anymore because there's cameras at every match, trained on every player and every incident, and nothing goes yeah. unnoticed. Whereas you know, back then in the mid seventies, yeah, there's elbows, there's teeth falling out, there's spitting going on, and uh, 
you know, different times, but possibly better times. I wonder if I wonder if someone will invent the technology whereby you can take old footage, mm. but explore it in three, like build a three-dimensional model of it of mm. the footage, and have cameras that are retrospectively put into that world <laughs> yeah i mean we we can't be far off having that kind of technology i'm sure i saw a documentary about the Can- kennedy assassination years yeah. ago where they sort of rebuilt that yeah. part of dallas where he was shot and they created a 3d of a vivid 3d world and put cameras in all different filled positions in, filled in the gaps from what they had sort of thing would it yeah. use would it use a vortex sam some kind of vortex do you think that there'd feels, be a vortex that involved. feels right that there'd be a vortex involved yeah there'd definitely be a vortex involved and i'm just saying you could take loads of games from the past mm. and just show them like yeah. famously violent games like when argentina were really rough in 66 weren't yeah. they and Uruguay in '86, and all, and Italy in '82. It's all of these very famous teams for like dirty off the ball incidents. You'd want to see all of it, wouldn't you? And let's not forget Colombia versus England in 2018. That was a spectacular. Oh shithousery! Yeah, the shithousery yeah. shit final. Yeah, that was fucking magnificent. I'd like to sit and watch that again. Actually, that was really. good. It was good, and the whole of the England team <laughs> and bench were all a bit Frank Lampard about it and all yeah. of the fans back home, weren't yeah. they? You can't do that! You can't do that! Did you see what he did? Um, Did you see? Did you see? He's, he stepped on my foot! Gareth, you Gareth, can't do that, you know! Gareth, ring FIFA! Ring FIFA! Now! Tell them! <laughs> Tell them to send someone uh, down! Gareth did his fucking waistcoat. Excuse me, pardon me, insistent referee? Are you blind? Can't you see what they're doing? That one called him a mean name! It's put him off his game! <laughs> And the fucking Colombians are like, come down, English. Ah, fuck you. It's just a bit of fun. <laughs> come on, get on with the game. Don't be silly. This We're is, just having fun. We're Colombia. This is what we do. It's all on our Wikipedia page. Go fucking read it. <laughs> you know what you're coming for. Good times. Um, So, this game with Bonetti... He says, the game wore on. I was starting to think I might have got away with it. I'd managed to keep out of his way using all the evasion tactics I had fine-tuned on the pitches of the South Yorkshire Amateur Leagues. Running away, hiding, that kind of thing. He says, Mm. the clock was showing 10 minutes to go and I was confidently thinking, you won't get me, chum. He did, though. (laughs) (laughs) I said it to him as well. He had no idea what I was on about. (laughs) <laughs> he says his moment arrived when I played the ball through for Brooklyn to score our second goal I'd given us a first first half lead and this was Trevor's first goal for England at last in his 19th appearance uh, he would have to forgive me for not joining in the celebrations because as he was tucking the ball past Dino's off I was lying on the turf in a crumpled heap Bonetti had seen his chance waited for me to play the pass and clean me out in fact, he came in so high, I wonder whether he thought it was possible to detach my leg from the rest of my body. <laughs> my knee ballooned and I had to go off. It was a fair price, I suppose, for a broken tooth. Fucking <laughs> hell. An eye for an eye. And, well, a knee for a tooth, You had if you to like. be tougher in those days, didn't you? Yeah. I think Is so. anyone regarded as tough anymore in football? There's no such thing anymore as a hard man, there's, is there? There's not. No, someone was saying this the other day, one of the pundits, it might be one of the old school ones that people don't like, like Sooners or something like that, but somebody was saying there isn't the same level of commitment from players that you see, kind of, you know, commitment within the physicality of the game and, and kind of mm. challenges and tackling and all that sort of thing. It's it's pretty much all gone because they don't get taught it in the... 
in their academies yeah, where they all... That's not such a bad thing, really. As much as it was entertaining to watch hard men, you know, mm. fouling people and all that sort of stuff, and it was all part of the pantomime of old football. It's not that these... It's not some sort of... It's almost like it's talked about like it's a flaw in the modern player, but the truth is is that the rules no longer allow for as much yeah. dirtiness, One number one. Number two, technically, players are better. They're better and fitter. So there was a time when you had to rely more on the dark arts. Now yeah. they don't need to. I guess They're pretty- not allowed to, and even if they were allowed to, they don't need to because they're too busy with playing football. I guess players are quicker as well, so the the opportunity to get a tackle in that might where well, you might leave a bit in, and yeah. uh, you know now it's got to be one hundred percent perfectly timed, whereas yeah. in the past you could be a bit more agricultural if you like. They so, get away from you, you know. They're quick. They're probably stronger. They're more live. I mean, there was a time when there was Hardman. I mean, if you look at look at um, you know Julian Dix is possibly my favourite ever West Ham player and he was a hard man yeah. but he was also a good footballer but the thing is about Julian Dix was he was slow and overweight for most yeah. of his career and so he would rely sometimes if he was up against a very fast winger on being a dirty bastard and he would and he would clatter them Yeah. and nowadays there aren't everyone's fit they don't need to rely on that they don't need to yeah now Julian Dix, if he were playing today, mm. would be Wouldn't one of those be. players who's quite slim, but with a very powerful core. <laughs> and he'd be able to keep up with anyone. Low centre of gravity. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Well, you're, you're drinking from the same mug that I've got. Is that the Star Wars one with Darth Vader? Yeah, we've noticed Father's this deal? before, yeah. yeah. You haven't got it right now. I ain't got it right now, Do you know what I'm eating? What are you eating? Yeah. A, a whole Terry's chocolate orange. Whoa! Do you I'm know why? Because my my family are away. Yeah, you've gone far. So I'm a, a bit. I was alone yesterday, so I watched the uh, the Lightly Lads film, and then today I'm alone as well. And so what I've done is I've thought, oh, what opportunities can I exploit? Yeah, I couldn't really think of anything, so <laughs> I just went up the shop and I bought a load of chocolate, <laughs> and I'm going to so eat we- this whole. Chocolate orange to myself in in more or less one go. I mean, I've paused. I'm halfway through it, and after this podcast, I'll eat the other half. Can we expect some kind of sugar crash from you at some point in this episode? As, the, as it wears Perhaps. on, you'll just start to just Perhaps. slow your. But words. then I'll give you a sign. You keep talking. I'll munch a couple of segments. <laughs> I've, I've never. I don't think I've ever purchased the chocolate orange before in my life. But really? that's the sort of mood I was in when I was in Tesco yesterday. Yeah, I was like, the family are away. All bets are off. Yeah. Do what you fucking feel. And I was like, fuck this, I'm getting a Terry's chocolate orange. <laughs> it's the sort of fucking maverick lifestyle I'm leading. You haven't put the cat in a cattery for two weeks. And you're no. surviving on Chinese food and, and wine. <laughs> it could be worse. The fucking cat. I'm talking to the cat like an absolute <laughs> fucking lunatic. I mean, I talk to my cat a lot anyway. As you know, I talk to cats in the street. Of course you do. But this fucking cat, my cat Nelson... Since they went away, they've only been away about just over 24 hours. Yeah. I'm just fucking talking to him nonstop. I was working this morning. I got in. I just had a long chat with him. Are you he's on looking his at me as if. He's, he's just looking at me like, mate, what do you want me to fucking do? I'm a cat. I can't. I don't know what you want from me. You know I can't fucking understand. Oh, well. Never mind. Try and do a podcast with a cat. If I go on holiday, get some guest presenters in, the cat could yeah. be one of them. Obviously, results bot. You've got that yeah. lined up. 
I can send the um, the fixture generator down if you want to chat with that for a while. Uh, we should do a podcast called Cat and Dog, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we'll have your dog at your end in Sunderland in, in front the remote, of the mic. Yeah, of course. And I'll have, yeah, because we can't have them in the same room. And then we'll have my cat at this end. Yeah. I reckon 25 minutes. You don't was, want it too long, but you don't want it too short because it might take a while to warm up. I was thinking 25 seconds, possibly. Okay. But, yeah, we'll Hard try to that. sell sponsorship if you're only doing it that length because I'm that, thinking we could get put that a big deal out of t- Sainsbury's. Put on our long list of things that we want to do, but we'll never do. Cat and dog, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, but uh, Kevin Kagan. He says, by this stage, Ron Greenwood had taken over as England manager and Ron Greenwood removed the captaincy from KK. Uh, He says, I did understand to a degree, which kind of translates as I was livid. Um, (laughs) Yeah, to a degree, but (laughs) only a degree. (laughs) He says, I just moved to Hamburg and the Germans wanted me to sit out of one or two of the less important England friendlies. Ron's view was that it would be better to have a captain who was always available. He wanted the captain to represent an English club and ideally to be a defender or a midfielder. Don't take it personally, he told me, but I'm giving the job to Emmeline Hughes. I couldn't oh. pretend to be happy. He wasn't pretending to be happy. He was livid. We've already established I hated that. Emmeline. He was a bastard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd previously liked him, but suddenly my opinion changed. I decided that <laughs> Emmeline Hughes was now a total bastard. <laughs> uh, he, KK had been captain for nine games. He said, I'd never made a big issue about it. Uh, except inside my own head, obviously. Mm. Uh, long, dark nights of the soul alone uh, downstairs while Jane slept. Um, then Emlyn started to drift out of the team, and within two years, the role was mine again. He doesn't put an excitement point at the end of that sentence, but Fuck you can tell off, he Emlyn. You passed it. You fucking bastard, Hughes. He's already had a popper, Emlyn Hughes, earlier in the book, where he complains about, Emlyn Hughes, when they won the European Cup, wouldn't let go of the trophy. That's right, yeah. Yeah. So he's, there's already a bit of fucking needle between them. There was history there. Mm. Uh, so then we move on to the 1980 European Championships. This is the first tournament I remember England being in. I was seven, almost eight, when this happened. Obviously, they'd missed out on a few tournaments before from being mm. shit. Um, but this was the one where the England fans went fucking mental. I think it was in Italy. This tournament, right. I think. And it was the first time I'd seen tear gas being used against football supporters. And the matches Italian were like cops would have loved it. And stuff and they, in the, if you start it, fucking around, if you're a foreigner and you start fucking around at a football match in Italy, hmm. the police will just come up and cut your ass. Yeah, exactly. With a pizza cutter. Yeah. I slice up your ass like it was a deep, like it was a thin crust Fiorentina <laughs> with the spinach and the egg on. <laughs> Yeah, they'll do that. So I remember that really vividly. Um, so that was my first memory. He says, I've had a bit of stick over the years for that photograph where Emmeline Hughes and myself were pretending to give Margaret Thatcher a peck on oh, each cheek during a reception yeah. in Downing Street. Memorable picture, that. Mm. Uh, but he's not happy about this. He, he wants to put the record straight on it. Uh, he said, that is not exactly fair. It was 1980, <laughs> and when the FA received the invitation to meet the Prime Minister... Whatever your political allegiance, this is par for the course if you're the England captain going to a major tournament. I have never voted Conservative in my life, and if you remember my family's background, you can probably guess what I think about the way Thatcher's government treated the miners, leading to the strike action and the devastation of so many pit communities. Oh. Fucking hell, there you go. That's quite nice, I like that. Yeah, well done, Double K, I like like that. that. Through everything, Well, I thought he was a a Labour man because he um, famously 
had his headers with Tony Blair, didn't he? Tony which we'll Blair, get to yeah. later in the book. Yeah, he just he mentions that a bit further down in the next paragraph. Yeah. Um, oh, does he? Yeah. Some years later, I was invited to take part in a photo shoot with Tony Blair uh, in a game of head tennis. Tony was always interested in company, as was his wife Cherie. Unlike Thatcher, who was a bastard, like Emlyn Hughes, <laughs> a total bastard. <laughs> and Dennis Thatcher as well, bastard, massive bastard, jalapeno. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jalapeño. He says, we had uh, Tony and Cherie round for dinner when we were living in the Northeast and he was leader of the country. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have had him round when he was just an ordinary MP or leader of the opposition, but as soon as he was leader of the country, I said, Gene, get the stencil out. We're going to make some invitations. <laughs> and I'm going to make my famous chilli con carne. <laughs> Only the best for Tony. <laughs> Says, well, he says, Jane cooked everyone a lovely meal, but obviously KK did the chilli con carne. And Jane, cook a lovely meal. <laughs> Four lovely meals, please, Jane. <laughs> Halfway through the main course, a message came that Tony had an urgent phone call. He needed somewhere private. The only place we could think of was our bedroom. We need somewhere private for Tony to go. What have we got? Jane, <laughs> Jane get out the <laughs> blueprints of the house. <laughs> now, let's have a look here. Roll them out on the table. Right, now, what's that there? That's probably, uh, what do you call that? The one with the washing machine in? Utility. Utility. What yeah. do you think of that, Tony? That'll be no Actually, good. It'll G- be noisy because she's got her she's knickers got a load on. on. She's got a load <laughs> on at the minute. Sorry, Tony. Start again. Mm, outdoors. What have we got? There's the shed. No. Someone could be outside listening over the fence. No, best not. How about the attic? What are you, what are you like with heights, Tony? No? Okay. My bedroom. No. Tony would have been like, yeah, if we could just move this along, it's, it, very it's quick. quite it's very, important. Very now, quick. What he, what he claims is, is that Tony said he got a message and it said, uh, we need you on the line now because we're brokering the Good Friday Agreement. <laughs> yeah, that's and, it, yeah. And that Tony texted back and was like, uh, not convenient, I'm at Kevin Keegan's having a lovely meal. Yeah. <laughs> and they've gone, well... This is the future of peace in in Ireland, so it's quite important. Now, that's what he wants you to believe, but I don't know, because sometimes if I'm at a social event, a function, a mm. dinner like that, I start to 
sort of just think, I need a little fucking, I need to check out of this for a while. Mm. And so I can, he, he might have been doing something I'd do. You make an excuse, you ask for some privacy, mm. and then you go up to the bedroom, you close the door, and you just lie on the bed yeah. for as long as you think it's okay without it being weird. Yeah. I would put a maximum of 20 minutes. Yeah, I'd I even have a, a, a... I would have said 14, yeah. A, a 20 small maximum. dose. Then I'd come back downstairs pretending to speak on my phone and go, <laughs> all right, well, look, I've got to go now because yeah. I'm at Kevin Keegan's and Jean's cooked a lovely meal. <laughs> but um, listen, I, I, I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck with the peace process. Bye. <laughs> T- TTFN. Sorry, it was... Um, who Who was it? Oh, it was to do with Ireland and it the peace process. Yes, but who was it? It was um, Ian Paisley. <laughs> oh, the one who keeps shouting all the time. Yeah, it was him. And actually, it was a conference call situation. Uh, Jerry Adams was also on it, out of the IRA. And uh, I think oh, I've got did, it did all sorted. Have, did, did Jerry Adams have an actor playing his voice? Or did you get to hear what he really sounds like? What does he sound like? I'm very curious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Kevin, I can't go into that you with you. Say, sorry, Kevin. Because that is state secrets. But suffice to say, I'm really sorry it took a full 20 minutes. But <laughs> I really had... I couldn't hear a peep out if you were up there. Tony? No, I had to whisper. <laughs> Tony, don't say another word. Gene's going to put your chilli con carne in the mic and we'll be back in business in two minutes. <laughs> oh, oh. No problem whatsoever. <laughs> oh, th- thanks, <laughs> thanks, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, the the mention of the the peace process there has just reminded me I've missed a segment out that we're going to begin this episode with about the IRA. Oh, of course. Um, going back to 1975 uh, is Kevin's only disagreement with Don Revy. After a game against Northern Ireland, a letter purportedly from the IRA was sent to the FA saying if he showed his face in Belfast again, he was a dead man. And another letter went directly to a member of the FA Council naming him again. And Don says... Uh, Don suggested it might be safer for me to have a few days at home. When I rang Jean, she made it clear she wouldn't be able to rest till I was back. Anyone would be worried in that position, but my point was that I couldn't live my life in hiding because of some crank writing letters. What if it was a hoax, as I suspected, and another player scored a hat-trick in my place? Did I really want to lose out on another England cap? <laughs> so uh, there you go, the, the, the campaign of terror that wreaked havoc in Ireland and Britain in the early 70s wasn't going to stop Kevin Keegan from racking up more England caps nothing would stop him remember he was trying to build a tower of caps that reached all the way to exactly, the moon exactly yeah so, inspirational stuff really you know we're not yeah. going to be we're going to cow in the face of these uh, these terrorists so well done no, for that exactly so he, he decided to play the game uh, and it finished a goalless draw so never mind <laughs> <laughs> so it was worth it it was worth risking life and limb I got the cap and that was the main thing and then uh, Don put the team sheet up for the next game against Wales. I think this was during the, the home championship thing that used to play at the end of the season. So they played Northern Ireland, then it was Wales a few days later. Uh, Don put up the team sheet against Wales and I wasn't on it. I was stunned, not just by the decision, but because there was no explanation whatsoever. After going to Ireland with a death threat hanging over me, an explanation was the least I deserved. <laughs> <laughs> and then, obviously, this rejection really hits hard as it tends to every time with him. He yeah. says, uh, paranoia had obviously set in. He says, I started wondering whether Don had used the IRA scare as an excuse to get me out of the team. Maybe it was Don. Maybe it was Don. Maybe there was no IRA scare. Maybe it was Don ringing up and putting on an accent. We're going to 
This is the IRA. We are going to plant a bomb up Kevin Keegan's asshole. <laughs> Don't you pick him. Send them home. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I, I started thinking, maybe the whole IRA thing, maybe the whole of the troubles in Northern Ireland was just a ruse. Maybe it was all set up by Don Revy. A long-term plan to get me out of the England team. Could be. This, this is it. it. He says... Um, I waited all day for an explanation. By early evening, he still hadn't said a word. I was young, stubborn and impulsive and prone sometimes to making rash decisions. Here we go. I packed my bags, checked out of my hotel room and went home. (laughs) Still wearing my training kit and my boots. Fuck this, I'm off. (laughs) I'm done with it. That's again, that's another recurring theme throughout the Keegan career. I'm thinking of Newcastle, I'm thinking of England. Fuck this, I'm off. Yeah, (laughs) just fucking off. Uh, he says it was childish of me and if I thought the public would take my side I was mistaken the press were camped outside my house and the general reaction was I was behaving like a baby throwing my toys out of the pram because I couldn't get my own way kind of essentially that's what he was doing Um, Don took a more understanding view thank heavens because he would have been within his rights to tell me to take a running jump he rang me to say it was a misunderstanding explaining he'd wanted to keep me back for our game against Scotland the following Saturday and said we would both regret it if I didn't come back. Hmm, bit of a threat there from Don Revy. <laughs> we'll both regret it, maybe you more than me. Um, and within 10 months he had made me captain, which for me was the greatest honour of all. And also, to everyone else, any observer of the game with half a brain, it were justice. Because <laughs> I was the best. I like to think in hindsight that my life had come full circle when Tony Blair took that call in my bedroom. I think I contributed towards the peace process in 1975 (laughs) by fucking off home when I didn't get my own way. Tony, don't you think it's quite poetic that you just sealed peace in Ireland at my house, (laughs) Kevin Keegan's house? (laughs) You know it was me who stood up to the, who made a stand against the IRA back in the 70s, don't you? Uh, well, he does actually say this. I've gone back to the bit we were talking about five minutes ago. What, mm. what he didn't, what we didn't realise when we left him sitting on the end of our bed with jeans scurrying round to make sure whether none of my socks were on the floor was that he was working on the Good Friday Agreement. After the death threat of 1975, it was nice to think the Keegan family could help in our own small way. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Well done, the Keegan family. Yeah, got, got the all to thank. I mean, imagine if they'd said... I'm sorry, we don't have a room for you to go to. Yeah. And he said, but I have to have a private room. This is not a conversation. These are state secrets. I cannot have this conversation from you. And they go, well, actually, Tony, and I think I speak on behalf of Gene here as well. And the nation. I think you're being fucking rude, right? We've invited you round here. My Newcastle side is playing an exuberant brand of football that has shot (laughs) us to the top of the Premier League. Everyone wants a piece of me at the moment, and yet I put time aside for you, Tony Blair. And Gene has cooked a marvellous meal. And you come round here with your dopey wife, and suddenly you don't have the courtesy to turn the fucking phone off. You've got two special branch fucking goons at the front door sniffing about the place, looking, turning the place upside down, looking for my fanny powder, right? <laughs> and now you want to take phone calls. Right? I don't know. I don't care what it's about. You're you're having dinner at Kevin Keegan's house. Have fucking dinner at Kevin Keegan's house. If the British and public knew Br- how antisocial you were, Mr. Blair, they would not vote <laughs> you back in. I tell you that for nothing. In fact, do you know what? Give me your phone. Fo- give me your fucking phone now. There. 
Gene, put that in, you know, in the safe. Put the you can have up. it back when you leave. And then what would have happened if he'd made that stand, peace would net the Good Friday Agreement would not have happened. Yeah. The uh, co- the troubles would have not come to an end. Mm. The terror campaign on mainland Britain would still be ongoing. Yeah. Who knows whether or not Brexit would have been a thing. And so, in a way, by being so sort of courteous and accommodating mm. to Tony Blair, I suppose you could say Double K did play a major role in, in brokering peace in Northern Ireland. I, I think the entire history that you see there, the entire history of this country is hinged on that momentous event. It's sliding doors, I, isn't it? I hope that the next time I'm in Ireland, in a pub, listening to old Irish rebel songs, that someone <clears throat> sings a song about Kevin Keegan. Yeah. There's a sort of an old Irish folk song that's been yeah. written about Double K and how he brought peace to the people of Ireland. <laughs> we can write one for a future episode. Mm. Put that on the list yeah. of things we'll never do. Another thing on the list, yeah, with yeah. dog and cat. So, um... 1982 was going to be his final chance to make a lasting impression at a World Cup, he says. I was 31. I'd scored 26 league goals for Southampton. Fucking hell, that's some good stuff, that. Yeah. Uh, he was um, a top scorer yeah. in the first division, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, 31. Fucking hell. Alexis Sanchez, yeah. eat your heart out. Yeah, he came back. He fucked off. Well, what happened was he won the European Cup. Then he fucked off to Germany. Um, won European Player of the Year twice in a row, mm-hmm. then came back to England, signed for a smaller club, and immediately scored more goals than anyone else in the Premier League. I mean, what a Keegan. fucking run. Yeah, he was Kevin Keegan. Keegan. That's what he does. So, what a run. Horrendously, his old back injury flared up, and the tournament turned into a nightmare. Uh, injury happened five days before the opening game. And the pain was so excruciating, I was more or less confined to bed. My roommate, Trevor Brooker, had suffered his own misfortune with a groin injury. And at times uh, like I've, that, all you have is gallows humour. We even painted a uh, red I've, cross. I've, su- I've suffered a uh, misfortune of my own, Kevin, <laughs> in the form of a groin injury. <laughs> he says we even painted a red cross on our door to make sure everyone knew it was a hospital ward. Hooray. Oh, Trevor, me fucking back. Oh, my, I can't move. Oh, same, same here, Kevin. The groin, the groin's really playing up. I don't, I don't know how either of us are supposed to make a cup of tea or anything, or, or change the TV channel. This is a living nightmare. He says, uh, even when I had an epidural, it brought no, no relief. Uh, <laughs> I was so depressed that Ron came over at breakfast one day to ask if I could start smiling more in case I brought down the other players. <laughs> now, now, fuck it, now, Kevin. Kevin, look, it's the World Cup. The lads are all here to have a nice time. We're in Spain. We're in the sunshine. We've all had a hard season. We want to have a good time if we can. Can you possibly just cheer the fuck up a little bit, please, Kevin? You're bumming everything everybody all, out. Every, everything all right with you, is it, Kevin? Yes, Mr Greenwood. Everything's fine. Yeah, well, here's an idea. Why don't you tell your fucking face? <laughs> you got a face like a twisted fucking slipper, mate. You're bringing everyone down. <laughs> Look at fucking Paul Mariner over there. He's got his fucking head in his hands. <laughs> Could Tony Woodcock. The cunt's crying like a bird. <laughs> Keeps looking over Because he can you. see. He can see you're down in the dumps, and he thinks if you're down in the dumps, then he should be down in the dumps. These fuckers look up to you, Keegan. Fucking oh, I'm Woodcock. I'm sorry, Mr Greenwood. Fucking Woodcock. He went to fucking Cologne following your footsteps without our fucking <laughs> German bullocks. 
<laughs> now, now you're making a cunt out of him. <laughs> He's even got a fucking German accent now. Have you fucking heard the cunt? It's fucking unreal. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry. I don't know why you're picking on me. Trevor's, Trevor's had his own injury misfortune, but in the form of groin injury. Fuck Trevor, you're the fucking captain, mate. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Get a fucking handle on it. I'm going to my room. Wheelchair. <laughs> wheelchair, wheelchair. <laughs> totally I'd get Paul up. Mariner to push me in a wheelchair everywhere. <laughs> He says, how could I be all sunshine and light when I was going through the biggest disappointment in my career? Uh, I couldn't just flick a switch to make myself happy again. I closed the bedroom door and lay on my bed alone with my thoughts staring out of the window. I spent so long in that position that the view, two chimneys on a nearby power station, is still etched Mm -hmm. on my mind. (laughs) Like I say, it was a nightmare. Recently, I drove back there. I was delighted to find that it's now a branch of Toys R Us. (laughs) <laughs> not this again <laughs> nah I made that up um, so yeah that's uh, that's all we've got time for in this episode he's uh, injured depressed in Spain at the World Cup but salvation could be nearby in the form of a German doctor so there's an adventure this is one of my favourite bits in the book is, we're approaching here coming in the next episode the, the German yeah. adventure to uh, get his back fixed hopefully Right, so we'll be back with that in a week's time. Thanks for listening. Until then, go fuck yourselves, cunters. Yeah, what he said. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.